0: Hello, everybody. My name's Rich. I'm one of the leaders, and I am preaching today. <laughs> Before we do, I just want to take issue with a couple of things. My understanding of Trivial Pursuit was that they were not pieces of pie, uh, they were cheeses, weren't they? <laughs> Hands up for cheese? Oh, no. Hands up for pie? Well, half of you are wrong, aren't you? We are continuing a series that we have uh, started last week. We're working our way through the book of Jonah and we're going to pick up on it right now. Uh, if you have a Bible, this would be a great time to grab one and start flicking through the back end of the Old Testament looking for Jonah. If you do not have a Bible and you'd like to borrow one and follow along the passage, uh, please wave a hand and someone will bring one to you. Uh, Or, I believe the words will appear behind me at various times, but do grab a Bible if you would like one. If you have one of our Bibles that you've borrowed off us, you'll find where we're reading from today in Jonah on page 927. This series on Jonah, we are calling it Lessons in Grace and Compassion, because the book of Jonah is not about the fish. The book of Jonah is all about the gracious and compassionate God, who takes time again and again and again patiently to deal with selfish, hard-hearted, self-obsessed Jonah, who was supposed to be a prophet, and he was a prophet, supposed to be one of God's people, should have been a good guy, but actually discovered, just like you and me, that there's loads of dark places in his heart. There's loads of areas where his heart is hard and resistant to God and actually focuses more in on himself than on other people. Do you ever have points like that where you think, actually, that's what my heart's like? Then this is the book for you because this is going to teach you today and the next couple of weeks how God graciously and patiently softens our hearts by showing us what he's like and inviting us and actually helping us. To get hearts a bit more like God. I love the book of Jonah because I love the fact that A, I find in Jonah someone that I resonate with. Sometimes I read the Bible and I think these are full of great guys and I think, do you know what, but I'm just pretty selfish. I'm just pretty lazy. I'm pretty hard hearted. I've got my own opinions and I dig my heels in a little bit. I love the fact that the book of Jonah in the Bible tells me, yes, you are like that. And other people are like that as well. And God has dealt with them and God can deal with you. So this is why I'm such a fan of the book of Jonah. To give you a recap so far, we're looking at around about 750 BC. The kingdom of Assyria uh, is looming large over to the east. Of the people of Israel in the kind of promised land, where, you know, the Israel and what we'd call today Israel and the occupied territories. Jonah is a prophet. God spoken to him um, and told him that we are looking to flee, sorry, to go to the city of Nineveh, which is one of the capital cities of Assyria, and preach a message to them. There it is up there, modern-day Iraq. Instead, Jonah flees to Joppa. He doesn't want to do what God says because he doesn't want to go and show God's grace and compassion to a nation which are historically and in the future going to be one of his people's enemies. He's got this kind of thing going on a bit like maybe a generation ago some people in this country would struggle with Germans or something like that or even if you go over today Japan and China there's often quite a lot of ill will between those and it happens all over the place. Jonah instead of rising above that as one of God's people actually that had gone into his heart And he didn't want God's grace and compassion to be shown to the people of Nineveh. So instead he does a bunk, he runs down to Joppa, the modern day city of Jaffa, gets on a boat and heads for Tarshish somewhere over in modern day Spain. He just wants to get away from God and flee. However, because God is gracious and compassionate, he doesn't just wipe Jonah off his plans. He doesn't say, you idiot, I've had enough of you. He doesn't even say, do you know what? I don't need you, Jonah. I can get somebody else to do the preaching in Nineveh for me, which he could have done. It Actually, this book is great because it shows us that God's concern. is not just the big picture. He's not just looking to get the job done. He's looking to deal in individual people's lives. So instead of saying, all right, Jonah didn't want to do it. Forget you. I'll find someone else. He says, "No, no, Jonah, we need to work on your heart and your attitude. And very often the stuff that God asks us to be involved in especially stuff to do with church, dare I even say it's stuff to do with a prayer week, is not really all about getting the job done. God can get the job done pretty quickly. It's often about what he's doing in our hearts through that. And one of the things I feel, uh, as one of the leaders of the church here, that God will want to be doing with us in our hearts over the next seven days in our prayer week, is not just, can we rack up enough prayer to get things done? But he's looking to change our hearts. He's looking through us through praying, through coming into the presence of God, through asking God to bless people who don't know him. He's looking actually to soften some of the parts of your hearts and my heart that is perhaps a little bit resistant or a bit selfish or a bit like, oh, it's hard work dealing with everybody else. Why can't it just be me and Jesus and the Christian buddies? Come and pray. If you don't care whether anybody else in Lewis knows about Jesus, If that outreach diagram left you cold and you thought, I'm not interested in outreach, I like worship, you need to be at this prayer week because you need your heart to change in the same way that Jonah needed his heart to change. So anyway, Jonah is on the boat. God won't leave him alone. And the sailors eventually narrow it down. Why is this happening? Why is the storm blowing up? We looked at this last week. They find it's down to Jonah. Well, technically, I am running away from God. Right, let's get rid of him. And they throw him into the sea, basically to turn away the, what appears to be the anger of God against Jonah so that they can save the boat. And we get this extraordinary thing where they throw him into the sea and immediately the sea becomes calm and the sailors are rescued, but Jonah is sinking down and down. He can't swim, he's sinking down into the Mediterranean, he's drowning. And it's at this point that we pick up the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 and we're going to over the course of the next kind 30-40 minutes or so go right the way through to the end of chapter 2 but we're going to spend most of our time on the first couple of verses. So it says this, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. The fish swallows Jonah from drowning not because it's just a chance occurrence of a particularly large Basking shark or something like that. Incidentally, the word for fish, the Hebrew word that is translated fish, it's very, very non specific. So don't bother wasting your time trying to work out what kind of fish. Is it a whale? What sort of whale? What sort of whales are in the Mediterranean at that time? Or if you think, oh, it says fish, not whale, those people who say whales are wrong. Oh, what sort of fish could be that big? It's just a very generic word. Believe me, these people were not trained zoologists. They just went, that's a big fish thing swimming in the sea. They were, and believe me, Jonah doesn't care whether it's a fish or a whale. And he's the one ultimately who wrote this account later on to teach us the lessons. He's not studying it thinking, oh, well, the fins are a little bit larger. Maybe it's, maybe it's a humpback. Or the basking shark's taken down. He's saying, "No, well, technically these things don't eat people. Well, I should be okay. It's just a big thing that lives in the sea that swallows Jonah. Jonah is alive inside the fish. And everything we're going to talk about this morning is about being inside a fish. It's part of God's grace and compassion that he saves him from drowning and snatches up inside the fish. Now you've got to know that that's impossible, don't you? That is impossible. I mean...